AM 1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Hour number two of Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. It is Thursday. It is February 1st. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1 o'clock today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Let's reset the scene with today's poll questions that we'll officially answer today around 1230 and still plenty of time for you to cast your vote. But first up, uh, the KDOS1060.com poll question is, are you enjoying the more competitive college basketball season, which has included many more upsets of top 10 teams? Yes remains out in front at 71% of the vote. No trailing at 29% of the vote. Bob also had a great conversation with Carrie Miller from Bleacher Report talking all things college hoops. And if you missed it from the Sports Zone, you can podcast it over at KDOS1060.com or with the KDOS1060 app. Tossing it on over to X at KDOS AM1060 uh, should the 76ers consider trading Joel Embiid after this season. No continues to lead the way at 60% of the vote. Yes, trailing at 40%. The 76ers have yet to announce the outcome of Joel Embiid's MRI, but the NBA has a fine in place that you were reading about for Joel Embiid and uh, not this particular injury that he's currently suffered, but the one uh, previous to that. Yeah, and uh, I made a joke yesterday, you know, or reference at least uh, the fact that it seems to be a joke uh, that, you know, before the season started, they said they were going to find teams for, uh, you know, players that were doing load management and obviously weren't hurt. And apparently they thought he wasn't hurt uh, before the Saturday game, the nationally televised game against uh, the Nuggets in which he didn't play. And uh, the NBA has fined the Sixers $75,000 for that uh you know, failing to place him on the injury report before that Nuggets game on Saturday. I think they also, from the NBA standpoint, just has to get really frustrated because that was a nationally televised game. You also had the buildup, right, of the two players that were coming down the stretch last year for the MVP race, squaring off again in a regular season. So when you're trying to build narrative, when you're trying to build interest, when you're trying to build that up for the regular season, to not have those players out there uh, for the NBA standpoint is very disappointing. Well, that's true. Um, but, you know, they obviously, uh, you know, the thinking, uh, you know, the, the supposed thinking was that, you know, Embiid decided that uh, he maybe didn't want to play in that game because he scored 70 points earlier in the week and he was going to win the MVP for a second straight year, which he obviously should have never won last year. Which brings us back to a question we had the, uh, you know, the poll, one of the poll questions for in the week about, should they just have? Should these postseason? Should should these uh, team sports awards be judged on you know the regular season, or should they just vote until after the regular season? And that uh, 
question was inspired by the Lamar Jackson meltdown on Sunday in the game against uh, against against the Chiefs, obviously, and that's now he's going to win two MVPs and he's got nothing to show for it, basically, in the postseason. One win in those two years that he won the MVP. And uh, this is one of I've got many pet peeves, as you know, I think sure people are probably tired of me talking about some of these things, but I'm not going to quit until they get smart enough to change the stupid rules. So definitely then you're on the side that um, the MVP award should encapsulate regular season and postseason. There should be no awards until after the season is over. Who cares about the regular season, especially in the NBA? Uh, that is a question. The KDOS 1060 uh, on, twi- on Twitter X that we will answer also around 1230 today. 602 260 1060 if you'd like to chime in. We're giving you lots of different topics to uh, chime in on today. We'll take your calls around 1215 today. The number 602 260 1060. But let's get back into college hoops and USA Today. There seems to be a theme here for today. USA Today. Uh, Jordan Mendoza (laughs) with the biggest disappointments in men's college hoops so far this season. And he got things started on this list with USC. They finished second in Pac-12 preseason polls. They have reached three straight NCAA tournament appearances, but right now they're fighting to finish just above 500. They have had their best player, Isaiah Collier, uh, missing some time and expected to miss more time through mid-February. Bronny James has struggled uh, 12 games. He's played three starts, 19.3 minutes per game, 36.4% field goal percentage, 24.2% from beyond the arc, averaging 5.6 points per game. But overall, as a team, uh, certainly a disappointing start and finish so far for the Trojans. Well, they've had they've had more than one injury. I mean, you know, you've got you know, Collier, who may not play the rest of this season, uh, so he he might be the first pick of the end. At least some people before this season started thought he'd be the first pick of the NBA draft this upcoming year, uh, this year in 2024. Uh, he suffered an injury, you know, an arm or wrist injury, uh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, there's speculation that he's just going to sit out the rest of the season because they're not very good. They've won enough games. There's no chance they're going to the NCAA tournament unless they win the Pac-12 tournament. And he's just going to get ready for the draft. Uh, so there's that speculation out there. Uh, they've also lost, you know, you know, Boogie Ellis is their best player, quite frankly. He's a really good college player. He played at Memphis. Uh, he's been one of the best players in the Pac-12 now for two years. He's missed at least a half dozen or maybe more than that as far as games go. They've also lost their two big guys to injury. USC as a you know their disappointment there is legitimate excuse as to why they haven't been any good. Number two on this list, staying in LA, UCLA. Mick Cronin has coached in twelve straight tournaments, but likely on the outside looking in this season unless they go and win the Pac-12 tournament. The Bruins rank 18th in the country, allowing just 63.8 points per game. So defensively they're stout, but offensively they rank 17th worst with 65.2 points per game. Uh, they also have an 0-6 record against quad one teams. They've been awful. Uh, in fact, uh, I had a conversation with a uh, longtime friend of mine who was a college basketball uh, fanatic and actually used to play 
college basketball at uh, the University of Arizona and Northwestern. And we have determined that this is the worst UCLA talent of our generation. And our generation spans 50-some years. In 60 years, if you want to, you know, at least when we're watching college basketball with some level of intelligence, uh, you know, when they're, you know, obviously the heyday of the 60s is kind of where that starts. Uh, but th this is, a, they, had, they did a poor job recruiting uh, as far as just, United States players, and they went to the European European route. Cronin did, and this is a disaster. He's blamed the NIL or the lack of the NIL money that UCLA actually has available. Uh, he's blamed pretty much everybody, and uh, yeah, they've actually had some good moments. They should have won in Tucson against the U of A. They outplayed him for like forty minutes, thirty minutes of a forty-minute game. Uh, but they just got destroyed, and only they blew a 19-point lead in that game in Tucson, and they lost that. Uh, there's also speculation that Cronin might be looking to get out, but he's got a monster buyout, and I can't imagine that West Virginia and Louisville, who are two schools I've heard mentioned, would be interested uh, whether those teams can afford the monster buyout that he has at UCLA. Gonzaga is next up on this list here. They do have a 16 and 5 record, but they have no quad one wins. So they would definitely need to win the conference uh, conference to guarantee a spot at the dance. They still have to play St. Mary's on their schedule here. But if they do miss the conference tournament, or I should say the NCAA tournament, it would be the first time they've done so in this century. First time since Mark Few has been the head coach, yeah. uh, they would actually miss the tournament. Uh, so you know he, uh, yeah, he took over a program that was already established, but uh, you know he's done it. He's taken it to further heights, needless to say. And they're not good. Uh, you know, Drew Timmy played there for a hundred years, and uh, as an inside player, and kept coming back and kept coming back, and took advantage of all the opportunities for him to keep coming back. And uh, you know, they do not have an inside presence. They're not good. Uh, I've watched, I haven't watched them for a while because they're just not worth my trouble anymore. Uh, but they just uh, don't have playmakers. They don't have Timmy inside. And this is uh, the West Coast Conference is partly because of Gonzaga not being as good. St. Mary's actually was awful to start the season, but now they've only lost one game since December the 1st. But it's not like they played a really difficult schedule since that point. When they did play some better, better uh, some of the better teams in uh, their schedule in, in November, they lost most of those games. So it's a bad conference, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, I could have made a case a couple of years ago that the uh, the WCC was better than the Pac-12. Number four is Michigan State started the year number four in the preseason poll with a lot of expectations. Uh, they do hold opponents, though, to 39.9% shooting from the floor. They still have Purdue left on the schedule, and they're likely still dancing, but not to the level of uh, number four preseason poll rankings. Yeah, Izzo got his 700th career victory at one school uh, earlier this week, and uh yeah, they were actually 1-4 to start Big Ten play for the first time ever with Tom Izzo. Uh, and uh, They've got some you know, decent, couple decent wins. They've got some bad losses, however. I actually think they were just overrated to begin with. Um, yeah, I watched them in uh, November, early December, and thought, well, what's the big deal here? 
they do not have the talent level that they've had in uh, almost every year that Izzo has been the coach there since was uh, I think 1995 was his first year. We'll put a pin in that and continue with the rest of the schools on the other side of the break. 602-260-1060 is the number if you'd like to chime in. You can talk about college hoops. You can talk about the NFL coaching hires. They're all set. All the teams now have their head coaches for 2024. Also talk a little bit about what we were discussing with uh, MVPs and Joel Embiid, etc. Plenty of things to get into across the landscape of sports. 602-260-1060 is the number, but we'll also continue this uh, disappointing or biggest disappointments in men's college hoops on the other side of the break. It is the Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060, online at kdos1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. AM 1060 into your home with Alexa. Hi, I'm Alexa. Download the KDUS AM 1060 skill and enable. Then say, Alexa, open the KDUS AM 1060. This is where I start my day. Twelve twenty, right here on KDUS AM 1060. As always, online at KDUS1060.com and with the KDUS 1060 app. Still time to download the KDOS 1060 app and register to get yourself eligible for WM Phoenix Open tickets. Tournament coming to town next week. We have GA tickets for Wednesday through Sunday. Only available with the KDOS 1060 app. Continuing on with our conversation in regards to the USA Today's Jordan Mendoza biggest disappointments in men's college hoops. We went through the first four with USC, UCLA, Gonzaga, and Michigan State. Number five on the list is Villanova. 11 and yeah. 10 on the season in Kyle Neptune's second season. They have three quad three losses, but then they also have wins over UNC and Creighton. But they're going to have to finish strong or they might miss the tournament. They're the worst team, uh, coach team in college basketball. The worst. Uh, Kyle Neptune may be a really nice guy. I thought they were poorly coached last year. We had the Justin Moore injury excuse from last year that kind of we floated that, well, okay, we're going to give him another year. Unfortunately, Justin Moore has been injured some this year, but he's he's come back and played. Uh, They lose games, and they just do some stupid stuff. They're just not smart. And uh, this is like the third week, I think this third time this week, I've talked about Villanova to some extent. Uh, but you know they 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 I think they're the worst coach team in college basketball. Um, you know they I, you know, almost anybody else in college basketball that's a coach in my opinion with this talent would be doing far better. And there was no there's be no doubt that they were going to be in the NCAA tournament. Unfortunately, there is plenty of doubt, and I'm sure the people in Philadelphia are going nuts because they love their basketball in Philadelphia. You know, the big five and so forth, of which Villanova's part of. And uh, this team is massively underachieving. Number six is Arkansas. Arkansas has had a ton of tournament success under Eric Musselman, but defensively this year they're giving up 76.8 points per game, and they've also (laughs) lost six of their last seven. 
They're a mess. Um, and I'm, I'm the you know, defense. You mentioned the defense. I like ground, groaned as soon as you said that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have a note here about Arkansas underachieving team with many transfers and cohesion. And yeah, you know, Musselman has also been a big transfer guy for many years, and it's worked out whether he was in Nevada or in Arkansas. It ain't working out this year. Uh, they have uh, you know four or five losses by 15, 20 points. They lost by like 30 something. Uh, to Auburn in a game that uh, they lost by 30. Here it is. 30, they lost by 32 at home to Auburn. And Auburn's okay. Auburn's overrated, by the way. But they're okay. But you can't lose at home to anybody by 32 points. And that happened. And finally here on the list is the entire ACC. The last 10 <laughs> tournaments, the ACC has had at least four teams selected. Nine were taken in 2017 and 2018. UNC and Duke are still at the top of the conference here. And obviously, when we went through the um, mocks for Lenardi and uh, Jerry Palm, as well as CBSSports.com, they had UNC as a one seed. But the rest of the conference here, Wake Forest, Virginia Tech, FSU, Syracuse, Clemson, Virginia, they're all kind of these middle-of-the-pack teams. Miami just recently had a terrible loss to Louisville. I think Wake Forest is actually decent. I think that they could uh... – yeah, they're, they're a really good offensive team, Wake Forest, so I wouldn't throw them into this lump of these other teams that you mentioned. Uh, I would not want to play Wake Forest in the NCAA tournament because they can uh, they get hot, they're going to beat you. Uh, so there's that. Uh, when I talked with Kerry Miller when we were at college basketball, Kerry in the sports zone today, the ACC uh, is one of the topics we discussed. And you know, As long as I've been around, which is a long time, uh, the ACC, I think you can make a case more times than not, has been the best conference in college basketball. Last couple of years, not very good. Uh, even really at the top, I'm, I think Carolina's good. I don't know how good Duke is. Uh, they play Saturday, by the way, in Chapel Hill, so round one of the greatest rivalry in college basketball. Uh, so there's that. Uh, but, uh, you know, and Kerry pointed out, all the tremendous coaches that left uh, this conference, and you just start with you know Hall of Famers, you know Shashevsky and Bayheim, and Nemer Patino used to be in this conference. Uh, they've lost some big time coaches to wherever, either retirement or other places, or you know yeah, obviously Patino got run out of Louisville for the you know justly got run. They mean that was the right. They had no choice. They had to run him out of Louisville at that point. But uh, the coaching has definitely declined. I'll add one more thing here. I'm surprised that Michigan's not on this list. Uh, they're going to have their first losing season since 2009 and 2010. Jawan Howard, uh, he had some health issues, obviously, at the start of the season with the heart situation. Uh, but he's going to be fired at the end of the year. I assume he's going to get fired at the end of the year. And, uh, you know, Ohio State and Michigan – are two teams that are not good. Uh, and I think that Chris Holtman could also get fired at Ohio State. In fact, I think both of them should be fired at the end of the year. Yeah, Michigan has also been pretty interesting, and I think there's a lot of unrest about the state of the program. Uh, there's a lot going on. Um, you know, also there's you know, a lot going on in their whole athletic department. Uh, with everything that you know, happened with football this year, the good and the bad. Uh, so we'll see what's going on. But, 
Yeah, uh, Michigan, they still got town, some talented players, but, uh, you know, they, uh, they've gotten blown out in some games. They, they've actually had games, including the Michigan State game this week with, against Izzo, and Izzo got his 700th win. That's like, you know, the state rivalry game, and Michigan lost that game by 20, 30 points and just flat quit in the second half. It was a disgusting effort from a team against your rival. Let's turn it here locally, but stay with College Hoops. ASU men's basketball, they're hosting Stanford tonight. It's a 7 p.m. contest over on ESPN2. But, uh, you know, I I don't know how to feel or make of this ASU men's basketball season so far to date. They're not good. Uh, You know, they're not even NIT good. you know, remember the NIT now is not just, you know, the next best group of, you know, Power Five conference teams. You know, the NIT made a deal a few years ago that if you're a, you know, non, you know, if you're a, you know, middle of the road conference team or below, if you win your regular season conference championship and don't win your conference tournament, you are automatically placed in the NIT. You get a berth. Uh, so that's going to be at least 10 or 15 teams right there. Uh, ASU, uh, you know, they started uh, – they, they, I didn't think they were very good in November and December. Uh, their offense is just not good. Get, their defense is usually really good, and their defense did not uh, – they did not get in the plane, the defense, to Oregon last weekend, whether it was Oregon or Oregon State. I was really disappointed on Saturday – uh, I've rarely said this about a Hurley team. I didn't think ASU competed, uh, and that's, that's a key word that I'm using purposely. I didn't think they even competed and lost from start to finish and had really no chance last Saturday in Corvallis against Oregon State. How would you evaluate Hurley's tenure here as head coach of the Sun Devils? It's hard. Um, you know, first up, you know, ASU has rarely been any good in basketball and for 50 years or since Ned, o- Ned Wolkloff left and he actually got kind of bad towards the end of his time here. You know, the glory years of ASU basketball were the 70s and when they were still in the whack and the early 80s when they had massive talent, a massive talent advantage, even in the early days of the Pac-12 for ASU and the U of A. Uh, ASU was really good. They had like five or six NBA players on their team in 1980 and 1981. Uh, and that's a team that should have done much better in the NCAA tournament. But it's hard for me. You know, ASU is usually they've had, you know, they, they, they've been competitive. They get some upsets every year. They lose some games every year. And it's seemingly you're not really sure whether they're going to make the NCAA tournament. And when they do, they're not going to last very long. They've been you know, in the game, you know, the uh, play-in round in Dayton a couple of times, including last year. And once they played TCU, they actually played a good game against TCU last year in Denver, but they got eliminated in that game. Uh, so I think it's it's difficult to ascertain. But you know, I don't think that ASU has a very high level of basketball history to really kind of judge uh, what's going on with that with the program. I mean. Rarely they've had some good players over the years. Uh, they've rarely had, literally in 50 or 60 years since I've been watching since the late 60s, rarely have they had a stretch of you know, really consistent teams from year to year. 
Down in Tucson, U of A men's basketball. They're set to host Cal tonight, 6.30 p.m. on the Pac-12 network. Uh, obviously, U of A, uh, for them, they need to start putting things together when they're thinking long-term aspirations of being in the NCAA tournament. And uh, as we were discussing yesterday, whether or not they can you know, find themselves beyond the Sweet 16, they got to start showing it on the court that they're a team that can, can get it done. Yeah, I'm a little confused. A lot of the national guru people think much higher of a of a U of A than I do. I mean, the U of A, if you uh, away from McHale Center, they have a losing record in games on uh, you know opponents' home courts or on neutral neutral uh, neutral courts since December the first. They have a losing record in games away from McHale. Uh, so, um, and I just don't think they're very good. I think that the uh, they had some interesting wins early in the season against some decent teams. Yeah, once they got to December, they lost against Purdue, and they weren't even really competitive in that game. Uh, the game was in Indianapolis, which is, yeah, Purdue, not a home game for them, but, you know, they're from the state of Indiana, and that was a Purdue crowd, obviously. And then they lost in Las Vegas to, to Florida Atlantic, and uh, that kind of started to spiral, in my opinion. Uh, the only uh, until they won the game at Oregon last Saturday, they had lost uh, you know, three of their four conference road games with the only win against Cal. And Cal is definitely improved, but Cal still, in my opinion, and I've watched all these Pac 12 teams play many times now, it seems like, uh, too many times in some cases. But even though Cal is an improved team, they have the lowest talent level of any school in the conference. That game, uh, as I mentioned, 6.30 on the Pac-12 network. On the other side of the break, we'll dive into today's poll questions. We'll also get a little update on what's happening at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Before we got going to start uh, hour number one of the Extra Point, I briefly flipped on the coverage to see how the weather was. Looked really cold. <laughs> umbrellas were up and down so it looks like there was some rain but at least it wasn't like the 50 mile an hour winds that i saw yesterday in the practice rounds so hopefully wow. it, it remains yeah you can't even play in those conditions because the ball i think doesn't even come to a standstill um i think it's also a... projected though to be like that on sunday great yeah Beautiful. So we'll get an update about what's going on at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am on the other side of the break, plus poll questions here in this Thursday edition of The Extra Point. Your caddy, Ray Adams, takes you beyond the 18th hole on Saturday mornings with Great American Golf from 6 to 7 a.m. on KDUS AM 1060. Thirty-seven, right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you as we dive into today's poll questions. And let's get things started here with the KDOS1060.com poll question. It involves college hoops, but first up, if you missed the conversation Bob had with Carrie Miller from Bleacher Report, podcast it over at KDOS1060.com or with the KDOS1060 app. For the question, are you enjoying the more competitive college basketball season, which has included many more upsets of top 10 teams, yes or no? 
Okay, I'm going to get into this in a second, but, you know, the Kerry Miller discussion, we got into why there have been this many upsets or, you know, you know the top 10 teams losing to unranked teams uh, in some details. So check that out in the podcast if you missed it earlier. Um, yeah, I, the answer to the question is yes. Um, enjoying uh, to some extent. I've been watching a lot yeah, ever since, you know, pretty much I start loading up on college basketball you know, viewership from me uh, when we takes a little time off every year towards the end of the year. Um, so basically since the last couple of weeks of 2023, I've been watching multiple games every day and I am frustrated. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've had a really difficult time. Uh, and I don't, know, I don't remember the last time I had this much of a difficult time trying to decipher whether teams are actually good or not. And in fact, I've reached a point where I'm pretty concerned uh, whether once we get to March, whether I'm going to be able to, to make a couple of bucks or two betting in the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, I've, I actually went through one of these, uh, you know, I think it was Lenardi just, you know, yeah, it was Lenardi a couple of weeks ago. He has the little bracket thing, not just the who's playing who. And I'm just going to get, I didn't even really care who the teams were as far as what seeds were. I'm just you know looking at the matchup, the projected matchups that he had, and I'm thinking, I don't know who the hell I'd take in that game. And then I go to the next game, I'd have the same opinion. And so, you know, I, I'm it's it's interesting. And every night there is like some really good games. Last night there were two, three very good games. Uh, you know, Purdue, you know, outlasting Northwestern in overtime. And then obviously the Kentucky Florida game, to which Florida won at Kentucky, albeit Kentucky without two of its best players in that game because of injury. That sounds like the NBA. Uh, but anyway, uh, but I'm becomingly increasingly frustrated, but it has been interesting and entertaining. It's definitely been more competitive, uh, no doubt about that. And uh, I kind of wish there were a couple of King of the Hill type of teams that I can latch on to a little bit, but I can't. So, yeah, it's been entertaining. I've enjoyed it to some extent, but I am frustrated. <laughs> uh, yeah, it should make for a very interesting March Madness if you're not really certain. Yeah, like, yeah. I-, I was just thinking, listening to you talk, that there's always a, a certain point here as the-, the calendar's turning to late February, early March, before the tournament gets started, you start to say, well, I've keyed in on this particular team because I'm going to bet against them based upon how I think about them, the overhype of them, and it doesn't matter. It, like, it does matter the matchup, but in some ways it doesn't matter the matchup. And uh, I don't know that you're able to gather that information when things are so um, erratic. True. And uh, if I'm a team that's not in the Big 12, I don't want to play any team that's in the Big 12 from the Big 12 in the NCAA tournament because they're going to kick my ass probably. Uh, so that conference is incredible. Uh, and it's, uh, yeah, I don't think, I'm not sure how much better it's going to get with the U of A next year because I think the U of A is going to get beat up. And I think the ASU is going to get destroyed in the Big 12 basketball wise starting next year. Uh, so yeah, so back to uh, my answer. I do think that uh, it's oh, going to. Sorry. No, no, that's okay. Uh, it's I asked you a question, so you rightfully responded. 
Uh, it All should right. it should make things very interesting for March Madness ahead here. And there have been some like really though head scratching and surprising losses that uh, I don't know that we've ever seen those before. So maybe we're on to something with parody. Maybe there's something here with more than ever. You're having these fourth, fifth, sixth year guys playing on teams yes. that that's contributing to what we're seeing. Um, but certainly it makes it hard to figure out who's good and who isn't. And so while it might be uh, exciting now, it'll be maybe actually lend itself to an even more exciting March Madness. It might. I mean, I do think there's some reasons why we're kind of where we're at in college basketball right now is that, uh, as Kerry Miller once again mentioned from Bleacher Report, uh, and I really hadn't thought about this till he said it. And then I, you know, once he said it, I started thinking about it. Then I've actually thought about it you know, for a couple of during the breaks since then. There are very few impact freshmen in college basketball this year. There are a handful. Uh, however, as you mentioned, there's fifth and sixth year guys. And, you know, what the transfer portal has done more in college basketball than it certainly has done in college football is that uh, you know, really good players on the you know, lower level you know, you know, conference teams and so forth from the coastal Carolinas or wherever uh, have uh, you know they were the best players in their league, best players on their team at those le- lower levels. They have now become contributing players on good, you know, power conference college basketball teams, and that has definitely happened without a doubt. Uh, I think there's actually. While there may not be elite teams, in fact, I'm not even sure who I would say is the other than maybe Connecticut. I don't know if there is an elite team in college basketball, but I do think there are more above average or good teams than we've had in the past, which, you know, hopefully those teams will be playing against each other with high frequency in the NCAA tournament. And then I think it would be really good. Um, What I fear is that we're going to get, you know, some, you know, yeah, ups. I don't want to. You know, I, I'm not a fan. I hate the first two days of the tournament. I'm the only person in America that hates the first two days of the tournament because I root for all the favorites because I don't want to see an underdog win a game because that means I'm going to have to watch them play the following Saturday or Sunday and most likely get killed in a very non-competitive game because almost always the teams that pull the first round upsets don't win the second game and rarely are they even competitive. So. My whole dynamic here that I've had in my thought process for many, many years, 20 years plus probably, I don't know what the hell to think between now and once we get started in March. And I'm guessing I'm going to go back to my, I'm going to say this a hundred times before we get to the actual tournament itself and during the tournament. Frustration is just, you know, kind of, it's the, it's the most, frustrating thing I, I just i'm yeah i don't know what to think sorry it's building for you it's beyond that i mean it's uh aggravating and frustrating aggravating is even a better word probably the masses because i don't know because i don't know what to do <laughs> <laughs> the masses they're on the yes side of things uh 73 of the vote no sitting at 27 percent. that's kdos1060.com's poll question and well what you'll do is you'll watch uh as it's slated and you've been building up the best weekend so far in college basketball and maybe that'll yeah. uh sort itself through a lot more on that tomorrow and uh starting with the pipeline and then we're going to preview kansas 
and also Kansas and uh, Houston play this week. It's one of the big games of the weekend. There are you know, four or five games that really stand out, and there's like 10 or 15 games that I'm pretty interested in this weekend. Over on X at KDUS AM 1060, should the 76ers consider trading Joel Embiid after this season? Uh, certainly, I don't think you want to limit your options, so see what's out there here. Uh, he has had a very unfortunate injury history, and I don't know if that makes it now challenging on the other side to trade him and try to uh, get some some pieces or draft picks, et cetera, in return. He probably has some value, though, for a team that feels like they're a big man away and can figure out a way to kind of hide him through the regular season and keep him ready for the playoffs. But also that was like the intention of what you were thinking that the 76ers wanted to do and being able to build a cast of characters around him. Unfortunately for them, They've undergone uh, various different changes. We had to go through the process, and then we had to go through uh, (laughs) the Ben Simmons years, and then we've had to go through the James Harden years, and now the team is kind of at a, I think, a kind of a, a turning point for themselves as to what direction they want to go. So if they're thinking uh, that this, not a total rebuild, but maybe let's turn the page and reevaluate what we're doing, then yeah, I I think you would uh, put in consideration for trading him. You mentioned the process. I had a friend who actually had a Sixers process t-shirt at one (laughs) point. So yeah, the infamous process. Uh, When I first heard this, you mentioned yesterday on ESPN about trading him after the season, I just thought it was crazy. And then I thought about it, and I still think it would be the wrong thing to do. I'm, you know, I kind of rambled on that last question. Sorry about that, folks, but I'm passionate about this, about that. I'm not as passionate about this. But I do think the what the Sixers need to do, what, I think you mentioned you were reading the standings earlier, what, they're like fifth in the East now? This uh, isn't yeah. going to get any better. And you know, we may find out sometime before the end of 2024 – exactly how much he's hurt now uh, because it's certainly been the biggest secret in the, in the world in the last you know 48 hours now. It's been t- almost two whole days since he went down with what looked like a not good injury at all against the Golden State on Tuesday night. But I, I think they actually should just keep him, trade literally anybody else they could trade or just let him go at the end of the season. They need to rebuild this roster, I guess the process part too. That's a T-shirt idea. Um, but they need to build around Embiid and try. You know, I think Nick Nurse is a good coach, even though I think he's a really overrated coach. And basically he won a championship with Kawhi Leonard. And you know, what's he done really since? He had a bunch of underachieving teams before Kawhi Leonard got there. But anyway, I think they should just you – know, they need to start over, and I think they need to – Build it around Embiid. I think that's their only chance for any time, uh, uh, even moderate success in the near future. So uh, that's that's the best I could come up with. But I thought this this was an, as soon as I mentioned this yesterday, I just went really, and then I thought, well, maybe okay. And then I just kind of reached the conclusion that they should just you know keep him and try to get everybody else out of there and start over. No, out in front, 61.3% of the vote. Yes, sitting at 38.7%. That's over on X at KDOS AM 1060. Briefly here, getting you caught up on the AT&P Pebble Beach. Justin Rose is out in front at four under par. He is on the Spyglass Hill 
golf course today. Uh, Victor Hovland was a guy we had identified. He's one under par through eight. He is on Spyglass as well. So, too, was Matt Fitzpatrick. He is one under par through five. He's playing Pebble Beach. That's a tie for 21st right now. Eric Cole was another one that we had identified. Uh, He's even through nine playing on Pebble Beach's golf course. Once again, it is a field of 80. It's a signature event. Uh, No cut field. The amateurs are in the field. And you know what? I couldn't find. I don't I don't know where it is. They don't make it easy for me. Oh, wait, hold on. Amateurs. Let's see what the amateurs are up to. Uh, Because you had asked me about Tom Brady. So it looks like Tom Brady is playing with Keegan Bradley. So that's a great thing for uh, Keegan Bradley. He is a huge Boston sports fan. He's from the New England area. Uh, They're one under par through four holes. You had asked me about Josh Allen. Uh, He is, oh no, this is challenging to figure out. There's Allens, there's two Allens. I don't know which Allen it is, but regardless, they're both one under par, so he's he's one under. And then Aaron Rodgers is playing and he's four under par. He's paired with Bo Hostler. That's in a tie for third at the AT&T Pebble Beach. I wonder if there will be handicap controversy around Aaron Rodgers again this year. We wrap it up on the other side of the break. We'll do what's best for the team, and we'll do what's best for you. The Rich Eisen Show, coming to you weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Here on KTUS AM 1060 and KTUS1060.com. First edition of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. That's right, WM Phoenix Open tickets only available through the KDOS 1060 app, so make sure you're downloading, registering, and clicking on to get yourself eligible for those tickets. But right now, it's thank you time, Bob. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, Whomever and whatever else slipped through the cracks. Also, our guest today around college basketball, Carrie Miller from Bleacher Report, covered lots of topics, including a little on the U of A. Uh, tomorrow at 10.15, we'll talk Kansas hoops and Big 12 basketball with Matt Tate from R1S1 uh, Sports. And uh, we'll uh, you know, preview the Kansas and uh, Houston game, one of the many good college basketball games Saturday and or Sunday. Sound of the courtesy of ESPN, Big Ten Network, TNT, ABC, Pac-12 Networks, and also Fox. Special thanks, as always, to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. Up next from 1 to 3 p.m., it is the Doug Gottlieb Show, followed by the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5. And then you have the Sports Zoo with Dave Rooster-Bierstein from 5 to 6. NAU men's basketball is taking on Weber State up in Flagstaff tonight. 5.30 p.m. is the pregame show, which is over on KAZG 1440. And then tip-off will remain over there and also join in progress here on KDOS AM 1060 tonight at 6 p.m. All right, Bob, I know you are on the edge of your seat and cannot wait for it tonight. 
5 to 6.30 p.m. on ESPN. It's the skills showdown portion of the Pro Bowl. Okay. Well, I won't be watching that, but uh, there'll be uh, the ASU U of A game started 6.30. And actually, uh, the East-West Shrine game's on tonight on NFL Network. I might watch a little bit of that. That's from Frisco, Texas this year, which is uh, the Cowboys training facility. Yeah. Um, so what's interesting, though, about the uh, the Pro Bowl skills challenge, they have a whole bunch of random competition here with precision passing, best catch, uh, things that make a lot of sense to the game of football. But they're also throwing in closest to the pin where three players have to uh, hit a golf ball as close to the hole as possible. I'm, I'm actually kind of curious to see which six players are eligible. So maybe I don't want to sit through the whole hour and a half. If somebody could just send like a clip so I could watch the golf portion of the closest to the pin, see how it goes. And I'll, I'll be able to analyze from there. If you had to guess of an NFL player who would be really good at golf, do you have a guess? Well, Aaron Rodgers is really good at golf. Well, no, that's true. I mean, he's a, you know, he's, he apparently is Achilles tendon things uh, not bad enough that he he's walking around in Pebble Beach, right? Walking around at Pebble Beach, supposedly the weekend of the championship games, I believe it was, or the divisional round. Maybe it was the divisional round. He supposedly got a hole-in-one in Vegas, so, you know, he's he's living it up with the the improved Achilles. So he's got something going on. <laughs> exactly. But I'm just kind of curious if any of the offensive linemen are out there trying to give it a, give it a go, like <laughs> Jason Kelsey trying to do closest to the pin or something. That would be fun. With, with his shirt off. Uh, let, let's <laughs> keep that on. <laughs> That'll do it for this edition of The Extra Point. Back with you tomorrow. There's a $100 gift certificate to Von Hansen's Beats and Spirits on the line in The Extra Point tomorrow.